Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This week, I'm again joined by my wonderful wife, Carly. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Good, good. She is saving my butt yet again this week after an unfortunate scheduling conflict I had with a few guests this week uh, who unfortunately couldn't make it. So big shout out to Carly for being the real MVP of Ben Davis Movie Podcast. That's ridiculous. I just love to be on here and talk with you. I don't believe that that's true. It's 100% accurate. <laughs> Have you seen anything uh, this week that you would like to talk about or share before we get to our main topic? Um, I just saw, oh, what's it called? The Heist? Is that The, the Heist? The hustle, the hustle, um, for the first time, it was um, funny at times, but not super entertaining as far as the plot goes. So a little bit of a reach on the screenplay for that one for me, but you know, worth the watch. Yeah, that's the uh, it's the remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which. If you have to choose between The Hustle and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, I'd say Dirty Rotten Scoundrels mm. every time. Yeah. I mean, it was it was fun, but I don't need to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched much of anything this week. I've just been so busy uh, with things. But uh, I do need to catch up on Nomadland and Judas and the Black Messiah. I certainly plan on watching them this week at some point. Yeah. We have a lot of things on the to-watch list, but... This week we were working on other stuff. Yeah, I got really, really busy. But that is okay. Um, But, yeah. We're going to move on to our movie for this week. Um, And the last one for our theme of romance of this month. Um, Yeah. I'm sad the romance is going away. I like the romance movies. Yeah, we've gone over quite a few. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about the 1991 animated classic that has the honorable distinction of being the first animated film to ever be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, Beauty and the Beast. Of course, the classic. Tale as old as time. Uh Well, it's not as old as time because it was made in 1991 (laughs) and that's the same age as me. So watch yourself. Fairy tales too, miss. Fairy tales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he called me old. <laughs> a film directed by Gary <laughs> Trousen and Kirk, Kirk Wise and voice acted by Paige O'Hara, Angela Lansbury, Robbie Benson, and Jerry Orbach. That's how you say it. If you aren't familiar with Beauty and the Beast, the plot synopsis reads like such, according to Google, an arrogant young prince and his castle servants fall under the spell of a wicked enchantress who turns him into a hideous beast until he learns to love and be loved in return. The spirited, headstrong village girl, Belle, enters the beast castle after he has imprisoned her father, Maurice, with the help of of his enchanted servants, including uh, monetary, um, what is that? Uh, Matronly. Matronly, thank you. Whew, words are hard. Uh, Miss Potts, Belle begins to draw the cold-hearted beast out of his isolation. So this is the first animated uh, film we're actually going to be talking about on the Ben Davis Movie Podcast. Really? Yes, it is. I'm super excited to talk about this one, um, which I'm excited to always talk about movies in general, but this one's pretty cool. Um, this is one of the most beloved animated films ever made. And like I said up top, this is the first ever film 
nominated uh, for Best Picture that was animated. Um, and honestly, you can make an argument, argue, yeah, an argument that it should have won um, that year. And I argue Terminator Two should have at least been nominated that year. In what were the other nominees? Do you remember? I know Silence of the Lambs won. Mm, yeah, I mean that's a good movie. That's a great movie. So it, I, I can't argue it winning. I'm happy it won. That's a that's a great one. Pretty drastic departure though. Beauty and the Beast. Terminator 2 and Silence of the Lambs all in one year. Listen, if those three, that would have probably been the best nominated film year ever, I think. A lot of people think that 1994 is. Hmm. Um, but if you would have taken 1991 and put T2, Beauty and the Beast, and then you add in um, Silence of the Lambs, which eventually went on to win, I think that probably would have been the most stacked category. Yeah, for best it's, pictures just, it's ever. hard to have. A conversation about all three of those movies at the same time because they're so distinctly different yeah yeah very about very as different. far apart as they could possibly but they're get. all great mm-hmm. they're all great um this is also a special film in the sense that in many ways it was the one-two punch of little mermaid and beauty of beast that started the disney renaissance back in the late 80s and early 90s so carly when was the first time you saw beauty and the beast and how does it compare to how you feel about it now well as I mentioned before, this movie came out the year I was born. So, you know, I always say this about the movies we talk about, but I think the in fact truth was with this one that I was watching it before I was old enough to remember watching it. Um, you know, that's I have a similar thing. One yeah. of the classics that you just kind of can't live without. Um, so my appreciation for it, of course, grew over time. And then I think the thing that really brought it back into focus was the release of the live-action version. Um, And then we, of course, went back and watched the animated one. And you just... The two are very similar. I mean, I think especially by Disney standards, the live-action usually has more of a departure from the animated, but they stick pretty close here. Lion King sticks beat for beat the same. Yeah. Um, They add some layers to Mufasa. Or not Mufasa, but Scar. But that's it. mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like Aladdin is very different. Beauty and the Beast, there are several scenes that just seem shot for shot taken from the animated, which is, it's nice. Um, But I think that gave me a new appreciation for the animated version and had a really nice time rewatching it the other day. Yeah, I I like them both. In fact, of the Disney live action remakes, I think Beauty and the Beast might be my favorite. Mm -hmm. I like Aladdin, but I feel like the movie should be called Jasmine. Because I feel like Genie and Jasmine are both incredibly well like written characters in that movie, and I feel like Aladdin is sort of underserved. And I'm not saying take away from Jasmine's arc at all. Not at all. I think they add great things to her in that that's not in the animated version at all. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith as Genie is just terrific. Very, very different from Robin Williams, but terrific. And I think that's why it holds me back from loving Aladdin so much. I still really enjoy it. I had a great time with it, but the, the the live action version of Beauty and the Beast, I think, might be my favorite. Yeah, I love the live action of Aladdin. Uh, it's just fun to watch, and I like the changes that they made. Um, I do agree with you that Aladdin gets a little bit overshadowed. Yeah. I think just performance wise, not that there's anything wrong with the performance of that actor. No, but Genie and Jasmine are just terrific, amazing. Yeah. Um. But Beauty and the Beast is just sentimental, and it's sweet, and you can't not cry in the ballroom scene. Well, the 
the addition of the B song mm-hmm. is that's a very good that's, addition. That's that's a great song. I would even say that's a better addition than Jasmine's. Uh, won't stay silent. Yeah, speechless. Speechless. That's what yeah. it is. Um, so there's that. I also want to say the other thing that deepens my appreciation for animated Beauty and the Beast is um, the Belle and Rumpelstiltskin arc in the Once Upon a Time show. That is a good show. You got me onto that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. There's some weird seasons, but overall oh, yeah. it's okay. They're, they're, it's pretty good. It's generally weird. But Belle in that show is so well done. Rumpelstiltskin is one of my favorite characters. So that yeah. also adds an extra layer. Yeah. So I don't remember, much like you, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. It's just, it's always kind of just existed in my life. And I don't remember a time where I first saw it or that it hasn't been a part of my life. This was never my go-to Disney animated film growing up. Uh, I was always more into like Aladdin, Hercules, Lion King, and of course Tarzan. Gee, I wonder what dictated your preference. (laughs) Hmm. What's the common theme? (laughs) Well, like, even Lion King, I was about as into the Lion King as I was this. Mm -hmm. Like... Something about Aladdin, Hercules, and Tarzan really stood out to me. Yeah. Um, I guess it's because they're like outsiders. I don't know. I like that. They're I like the that boy trope. movies. No, no. I just <laughs> relate to those characters more. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Tarzans. Yeah. Tarzan. Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was always my, my youngest sister. Of course, when I say youngest sister, she's in fact older than me. But she's, you know, the youngest of my older sisters. Um, this was her favorite one growing up. So it was constantly on on the rotation at the Davis household. Um, the older I got, though, this one kind of grew up on my list for me. It's such an enjoyable movie. It's it's beautifully animated. Has, you know, a fantastic, ori- fantastic original songs that are filled with heart and emotion. And, of course, the voice acting is it's top-notch. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I love the most about this film, though, is its message. You know, it's simplistic, but the message of loving someone for who they are and loving them selflessly and not just for how they look or what they can offer you in terms of status. Um, and if you want to dig a little deeper than that, it can also be about loving yourself for who you are and having the courage to throw yourself out there despite your own insecurities. Oh, yeah. Um... Dude, that's kind of what I noticed on this rewatch was this is an animated film, but how nuanced Beast is. I mm-hmm. the thing I took away from it because I always you always hear Stockholm syndrome, Stockholm syndrome, right? Right, that's the accusation. You always hear that, but when I watched it this time, I'm like, he's actually not as abusive as I remember him being when I was a kid. No, he's not as scary as he seems. Uh. Uh-uh. He's much more just hurt and, and lonely and isolated. Mm-hmm. And you sympathize with him. As a kid, you don't really pick up on those things. But as an adult, I, I sympathized with him. Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh, man, this this is... Beast is well-layered in the animated... Even more than the theatrical, I think. They really are. All the characters are very well-layered. I mean, the... The terror of the character that is Gaston, you know, he's... Well, he's the he's the picture-perfect guy of, like, someone who is 
what someone would call toxic masculinity. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just, you know, at first he's, when you're a kid, you think of him as like the comic kind of bumbling idiot, I don't know, um, villain guy that's, he's mean and he's not cool because he doesn't like books and he's whatever, Belle doesn't love him. Yeah. But as you get older, you realize the connection between Gaston and his just violent persona and the village and the way that they all follow him and, you know, embrace him just because of his role and the part that he plays. He's the extroverted version of Beast versus the introverted version that Beast is. Beast is the introverted version, but his the reason he acts the way he does isn't because that's his real personality it's because that's just he's isolated he's lonely and he doesn't know how to articulate his feelings which is where his anger is coming from right gaston's anger doesn't come from that it comes from a place of well gaston doesn't even seem to have anger per se he has violence and sadism that's what i'm saying it comes from a place of ego Mm -hmm. beast doesn't really come from a place of ego it comes from a place of hurt yeah. But the scary thing, I think, is just how isolated the Beast is and then the following that Gaston has. Mm-hmm. And the fact that everybody's willing to cheer for him and everybody's willing to be okay with whatever atrocities he commits. Just... Well, no one fights less like Gaston, right. Tennis. <laughs> he uses antlers in all of his decorating. He's exceptionally and he's good. he's single-handedly responsible for the egg shortage in the town, which, as we can see in several versions of the story, is causing children to starve. So... Well, he's exceptionally good at, uh, what is it? Expectorating. Expectorating, Spinning. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Best song ever. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, so the Rotten Tomato score for Beauty and the Beast currently sits at 94%, with the consensus being enchanting, sweeping, romantic, and featuring plenty of wonderful musical numbers. Beauty and the Beast is one of Disney's most elegant animated offerings do you think this score holds up? Would you nudge it higher? Would you nudge it lower? What I, do you think? That's a high score. I, I would support that one. Yeah, I would too. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect hundred, but it's very, very good. Here's the thing. This movie's flawless. Like, I disagree. I don't... The animated version, the flaw in the animated version is LeFou. Why? Because he... Everybody else is layered and nuanced and well done and then LeFou's just a moron in the animated version well he's a moron that attaches himself to Gaston because that's who he follows that's exactly the type of person that would follow that he his entire personality is Gaston that's that's just what it is but it's it's not developed now in the live action version it is yeah, but that's because he gets like a redemption arc, which is weird. But I don't even think he needs a redemption arc. You see the insecurity of that character in the live action version. You see his motivations. You know, you, he gets more depth, even if he wasn't redeemed at the end. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I don't... I see where you're coming from. I don't agree. But for for me, I, I think LeFou, which, I mean... Josh Gad kills it. Absolutely. In the live action version. But the animated version, there are people whose entire personality is what they like and not they don't really have much of one. Yeah. And LeFou kind of falls into that category, I feel like, for me in any way. Mm, yeah. But I definitely see where you're coming from, for sure. Um, 
I hinted at this a little bit up top, but let's let's look at the run here of movies from Disney during what's called the renaissance of their animation department because they kind of had a dip in the like 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't as popular. Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, and Tarzan. That's a pretty epic run. That's an all-time run. And that's our whole childhood. It is. Now, Disney has had, you know, had a bit of a dip in the mid-2000s, even though I love some of those, like Atlantis, Treasure Planet, I think, is super underrated. I did just see Treasure Planet for the first time, and I really liked that. Super underrated. Great song, too. Mm -hmm. I'm Still Here. That's a fantastic song. Um, and of course Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Lilo and Stitch is important to me. It, me too. But that you know that they kind of picked up again with things like The Princess and the Frog, Tangled, which is also another super underrated movie. Gotta love Tangled. Um, Zootopia, which of course won Best Animated Feature and for 2016 over the next one I'm about to name Moana. I think Moana's Moana's epic. Yeah, the stupid chicken alone. It's, I could watch hours of that. <laughs> yeah, Moana is freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Frozen films, um, which I, I'm i not as big on the Frozen films. Their music is good, but, like, eh, I think Tangled, Zootopia, and Moana are all better movies. Strongly agree. I mean, I, I like the first Frozen. I really enjoy it. The second Frozen, I cannot. I hate the music in the second Frozen. I like the music God, in the second it's one. Grating. She's just screaming the entire time <laughs> for no reason at all. I all like right. it. Unpopular take. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Movies <laughs> are subjective. You speak your truth. That is my truth. My <laughs> truth is I don't know what she's saying and it's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, that was one where we left the theater. I'm like, you know what? That's better than the first one. You were like, what? No. no. I was personally offended by the second, <laughs> uh, second person. Um, but I do have a question. How does Disney's current run compare to that Oh. That run of the Renaissance? That's a mean question. It is. Well... It is because we have so much attachment to those movies that we grew up with, mm-hmm. right? But the ones that I just named, Princess and the Frog, Tangled, Zootopia, Moana, uh, Frozen 1 and 2, those are good movies. They are. They are very, now, very are good movies. are you including the live action in no, no live, current no, no live action, no. No. Hmm. Okay, so I think... Oh, I can't make this decision. Like, Moana is near and dear to my heart. It, you know, that's my sad movie. I will watch Moana on repeat. Um, yeah, Moana's great. Moana is fantastic. And the animation is so beautiful. It's gorgeous. The rocks, your welcome song is just, mm-hmm. I love it. And her just out in the ocean and doing stuff. Um, you do get... I don't know if you get more character development in the modern versions than you do. Certainly not. Hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I think it's hard to top the greatness that is all those movies. Like, the Little, Little Mermaid, Mermaid, The Lion King. Lion King. Yeah. Lion King is regarded as the single greatest animated film from... You talk to most movie buffs, that's their go-to. I mean, it's cheating when you plagiarize Shakespeare, but okay. <laughs> It is pretty much Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and of course, I mean, Aladdin, Tarzan. Tarzan to me is the one that's not talked about as much anymore, but that was a great one. Listen, that, the why, entire Phil, thing about Tarzan is the score, though. Phil and Collins, that's enough. That's listen, plenty. Phil Collins didn't have to go to, so hard, but he did. Yeah. He went mm-hmm. very, very hard for Tarzan. And you know what? And it worked. It was perfect. Yeah. Nothing else in that movie really matters except the music. I, don't know, I really like the relationship. Because you, you've heard me talk about this mm-hmm. often. There are always the archetypes of father-daughter. Or father son, mm-hmm. or mother daughter. It is insanely rare to see a mother son relationship done in movies that's not like the jealous mother. It's not super toxic. No. Yeah, it is so rare, and they capture it so great in Tarzan. It's so wonderful, mm-hmm. and that's why I think that that movie holds such a, a special place in my heart. Plus, it's the song, you know. Uh, You'll Be In My Heart is yeah. the song that I danced with my mom to. At our wedding. At our wedding, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Cheating, again. But, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I don't know that I could choose between those. Even, we didn't talk much about the princess and the frog, but I really like the characterization there as well. I do, too. It's it's set in the United States, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, it's, that's pretty cool. Well, and you have you have Tiana, who has, like, realistic life obstacles and not the frog part but like yeah. the work part and the the money part you know so i like that i i think i might even like that a little bit more than the classic fairy tale structure right if they, there are still fairy tale elements to all of them of course but the agency in the more recent films is a little bit stronger but i don't think i could choose an era could you choose an era I think I'm gonna go with the Renaissance era. Mm. It's like it, I just have to. Yeah. Um, not take trying I respect to respect that. Not trying to take away anything from the movies that are coming out right now because they're still really, really good. But that that string of movies that's an all time. Yeah. All timer. Epic. Absolutely. But for me though, I again going back to the Rotten Tomato score. Yeah. 94 is about right. I'll probably mm-hmm. move it up to around 98, 99. Though. I was going to say, you could talk me into a 96. Yeah. I needed to see the rubric. <laughs> All right, but let's get into some fun facts here. Um, Angela Lansbury thought the uh, that another character would be better suited to sing the ballad Beauty and the Beast. Uh, the directors of the film asked her to make at least one recording to have a backup. That one recording ended up in the movie, and I am eternally grateful oh, yeah i wonder which character she would have advocated for because i mean i feel like it has to be mrs potts it has to be right i mean she's the only one that's not like she has the wisdom and yeah. the you know she she's just good-hearted and she has all of it yeah i yeah. can't imagine like i'm trying to imagine lumiere singing that and it just doesn't work it doesn't work it comes across as funnier mm-hmm. you know, she comes from a place of it's it, it, that's it's it's more important coming from that character because yeah it's her heart you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. it's that character's heart not saying lumiere doesn't have heart he does but it's it's very exuberant it's very all over the place you know what i mean mm-hmm. as opposed to her it, it has to be her mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like it's different but it's like an inside out the one who saves the day is sadness yeah you know Joy is is the more exuberant one, but the, mm-hmm. not saying that uh, Mrs. Pot is sadness. It's just 
not the talkative one. You know? Right. She, that, she has the gravitas. Exactly. Coming, as much as much gravitas as could be commanded by a teapot, I think. Yeah, yes. Um, Rupert Everett auditioned for the role of Gaston, but was told by the directors he didn't sound arrogant enough. He mentioned this when uh, Prince, Tr- uh, or he, uh, he remembered this when he uh, voiced Prince Charming in Trek oh. 2. Interesting. Yes. You can see that that kind of echo in that character. Mm-hmm. 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 And whenever I think of uh, Prince Charming from Shrek, I always think, and I'll have the medieval meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One medieval meal. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, the story of Beauty and the Beast, the original version of the tale, Prince was not turned into a beast by being selfish and unloving but because he refused to marry his evil fairy godmother. Oh. Likewise, Beauty's challenge in understanding the Beast was not in a volatile temperament, but his stupidity. For in a Beast form, he could not express himself uh, intelligently, mm-hmm. which they kind of do. Yeah, with the reading. Well, it's it's not so it's it. For me, again, I read it as he's locked away. He's been in isolation. He can't really properly articulate his feelings. He gets incredibly overwhelmed mm-hmm. when Lumiere and Mrs. Potts are in there trying to talk to him about you know you, you have to control your temper you have to do this and he's like just seems so overwhelmed with what's going on getting frustrated I have to do all these things I don't know how to express myself so they do do that in mm-hmm. a certain way where he has trouble socializing yeah I think I do remember reading that though um when I, I read the original fairy tales at some point, and I remember her teaching the beast how to read. Yeah. Um, but it makes more sense in the animated version where he's a prince, he had an expensive education. and Yeah, he's smart, he just doesn't know how to mm-hmm. express himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, until Disney Pixar's Up was nominated for Best Picture in tw- uh, 2010, this was the only animated film to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Worthy. Mm-hmm. Worthy and there was one more after this. It was Toy Story 3. Of course. Yeah. So Up came out in 2009. So again, I've been over this before, but the Oscars, when you look up the year, it's always going to be the year they won, not the year they won it for. Mm-hmm. So Up was nominated for 2009's movies, and then 2010's was Toy Story 3. Ben gets upset about that <clears throat> when it comes to trivia contests. Listen, I hold grudges. <laughs> And I will never, ever forgive that person for that. I was so on the money. That was awesome. We still won. We still won, but I went home Mm -hmm. bitter. Yeah. I went home bitter. You brought me there for one purpose, my movie knowledge, Uh and I lost because, or we lost that point because of it. I don't know what to tell you. I can't forgive myself. It's okay. I forgive you. I'm going to have to redeem myself at some point. We still have the little Star Wars plaque. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Um... Songs take up about 25 minutes of this movie, and only five minutes are without any musical score at all. And I really picked up on that, because this movie's kind of short. It's only like an hour and 28, 29 minutes, something like that. Yeah. It's very, very short. And I think the reason it flows so well is because there's music constantly. But it's not like the whole thing is music, 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 music. There's It breaks up a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what you, at least for me, that's what I like in musicals when I'm watching them. Because I don't hate all musicals, but like, I get very distracted when it's nothing but music the entire time. Right. Even well, the speaking, like, 
Yeah, it's the dialogue, dialogue that doesn't yeah. need to be music, but it's just kind of inexplicably set to a beat that bothers me too. Yeah. Um, the supervising animator for the Beast, uh, Glenn Kane, uh, created his own hybrid beast by combining the mane of a lion, the beard and head structure of a buffalo, the tusk and nose bridge of a wild boar, and heavily uh, muscled burrow of a gorilla, the legs and tail of a wolf, and the big and bulky body of a bear. He also has blue eyes, uh, the one physical feature that does not change whether he is a beast or or a human because eyes are the doors to the soul windows to the soul windows to the soul the windows are the eyes to the house whatever <laughs> <laughs> and he needs all of those physical characteristics so as to beat up the wolves yes but honestly like that's like the perfect combination mm-hmm. yeah very well done very very well done the first stained wing uh stained glass window seen in the prologue has the latin phrase Vinci qui se si vincit. I think that's it. Wicket qui se vincit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We're again. Latin minor, baby. Again, words are hard. I've now used it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in a subtle uh, prefiguring of the arc of the whole story, he conquers who conquers himself. It's very deep. Mm-hmm. I, I like, like it. it. Yep. Yeah, we said that at the same time. That's like the third time we have said the same thing. Both in unison today. Yeah, yeah, we're gross. We're very gross. Bell's love of reading is uh, meant to be a sign of a great intelligence, a trait that had previously not been shown in Disney princesses. That's why she's one of my favorites. It it is also a subtle hint to the movie's message, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Yeah. And again, like... Belle was always, like, my favorite Disney princess growing up, mm-hmm. I feel like. I think we had that. That was one of our first discussions. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, Belle's always been my favorite. Yeah. Belle was always one of my favorites, too. You know, I think a lot of young bookwormish girls identified with Belle. I do like that in the live-action version, they made her an inventor like her father is. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just a reader. I think that's important. Yeah. Uh... This movie was nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture, losing to Silence of the Lambs. It was, however, the first full-length animated feature to win the Golden Globe for Best Picture, Musical, or Drama, and the Best Picture Oscar nominated for um, Walt Disney, or this was also the first Best Picture nominated, um, or Best Movie, I can't speak, this was the first Best Picture nominated for Walt Disney Pictures since... um, Mary Poppins. Oh. Yes. I still haven't seen Mary Poppins all the way through. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, when Beast and Gaston are having their life or death struggle on the castle during the climax, Gaston yells, Bell is mine. Originally, he was supposed to say, time to die, but the writers changed it to fit Bell back into the scene. I also think it works. Yeah. Because he views Bell as a possession to own. Mm-hmm. As a prize to be won, not necessarily someone to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think saying time to die with to the beast would maybe indicate that Gaston sees the beast as a little bit more human than he really does. Yeah. Right? He's hunting the beast like an animal. Yeah. Um, and taking Belle like a trophy. Yeah. 
The first Disney uh, animated movie to use fully rendered textured 3D CGI moving backgrounds in combination with the traditional animation uh, character, a technique that was expanded upon in Disney's short Off the Rockers and in Aladdin. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that whole... um, It's kind of revolutionary, the whole um, ball dance room scene Mm -hmm. is like... That one shot of like it's going down is completely animated. It was the first time they ever done it. Wow. That wasn't like hand drawn mm-hmm. or whatever. Pretty cool stuff. Very cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and the last fun fact we'll get to here. Of the three animated movies nominated for Best Picture, this is the only traditional hand drawn movie. Additionally, it is the only animated movie to be nominated alongside four other nominees as opposed to the nine movies with Up, which was the oh. first year they expanded because of the controversy that The Dark Knight did not get nominated for Best Picture. So they expanded it to possibly ten nominations with the way that the voting works. Mm-hmm. And they ate that Toy Story 3 got. Um, it is also the only animated movie to be nominated for best picture without being nominated for best animated feature as a latter category was not been created at the time oh who knew yeah because best well what had happened was it's you know everyone loves to say that the oscars don't have prejudices against genre people love to say that against genre movies I was going to say, I don't think that that has been the more recent conversation no they they have it against genre movies Mm -hmm. um I, I harp on it all the time but they, I think it was like in the, I think it was like the Toy Story 2 came out and it was like two years in a row or a couple years in a row, the highest rated like or critical rated movie of the year was an animated movie. They weren't nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So the Oscars created the Best Animated Film category um, at the 2002 Oscar ceremony and Shrek won Best Animated Feature. Respect. Mm-hmm. It won it over Monsters, Inc., though. Yeah, I still support that. Still support it? Shrek I... is a more layered and nuanced movie than Monsters, Inc. I go back and forth because I love them both. I mean, I love Monsters, Inc., too, but Shrek is perfect. Shrek is really, really good. And the thing about Shrek is, at least between the first three, the series holds up. I like the fourth one, too. The fourth one is just not up to par. I mean, it's not bad, but I don't think it's nearly as good as the first three. I enjoy it a lot. It's a lot more serious, though. It's a lot more... It's not as fun. You don't have as much funniness in in the fourth one. And the witty humor of the Shrek movies is just next level. It is pretty great. (laughs) Um, But before we move on to our awards section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. But we are going to move on to our award section, and we're going to start off with favorite scenes and moments. Um, number one for me is the opening. Of course. Yeah, I always enjoy the opening animation, and especially the the musical score. Um, same with the voiceover narration. It's the perfect way to get you into the fairy tale and everything like that. It, it gets the heart of what the story is about which is true love loving the spirit of someone and not the looks and i always and as i always say looks fade with time but you know personality it just gets better with age it's you like why don't fade with time <laughs> the, the the animation in that opening scene just the the clear lines of the drawing and the the color contrast it's it seems pretty simple i'm sure it's a very sophisticated technique but the lines are simple and the shapes are simple 
It, it does really draw you in. Well, I love the, the forest look. Mm-hmm. And just the piano. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, next one I have listed here is Introduction of Belle. Uh, of course. Yeah. She's just in love with her books and being close to her father. She has no interest in Gaston and his douche self. <laughs> He's the perfect tool. He is. <laughs> he is. Um, one of my favorite lines is, Reading's no good for you. It gives you ideas. <laughs> Again, Gaston just proving he just views her as a prize to be won, doesn't want her thinking too much for herself. Yeah. Well, and he he doesn't have any genuine interest in her. It, it's, as he says repeatedly, all about her looks and the fact that he wants beautiful children. It's, sta- it's status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all yeah. about status. But, yeah, the introduction to Belle is just wonderful. You get to see not just her, but her place in her community and the way that everybody treats her. Is that... Underneath that, is it pale facade? facade? I don't know. It's something underneath that blank facade. I think she's rather odd. Oh, yeah. She's nothing like the rest of us. <laughs> is it grand facade? I think so. Maybe. I have to look up the lyrics of that. Yeah. Gaston gets rejected. Yes. <laughs> Gaston just, he wants Belle as a housewife. He's so overly confident and he just doesn't care about her, really. Mm-hmm. He shows his, like, he shows us the most when he proposes to her. Well, um, he brings the wedding with him. Yeah, well, Belle just wants something bigger than what her little town is ready for. Mm-hmm. I think, and you get that toward the end when she's talking to, like, the farm animals and she goes up the hill and is playing with the flowers and everything. And yeah. It's great. Um, Belle sacrifices herself to save her father. Um the thing I love the most about Belle is she she's selfless. You know, she sacrifices herself to save her father so that he may go free. You know, but one of my again one of my biggest takeaways f- from this this scene is in general is Beast isn't as abusive as as I remember. I mean, in this particular scene where he's imprisoned somebody for life, I'm gonna have to disagree. I mean that part, yes, but like it's not as the, the way that they draw him and the way that they show yeah. his emotion and everything while he's doing it, it's not... He, he's, again, acting out of anger, not necessarily because he doesn't know how to mm-hmm. handle this. Um, he cares and he has a heart, but over the years he's he's kind of become bitter, he's lost hope, and he's scared that he's doomed to walk the earth as this monster. Mm-hmm. Um He's just isolated and, again, doesn't know how to properly articulate his feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one. Gaston song. The best. Oh, my God. It's This song is so perfect. Listen. No one twerks like Gaston. Work like Gaston. <laughs> Drops down that booty and jerks like Gaston. He's no, exceptionally good at... What's the word again? Expectorating. Thank you. Thank you. God. That's from the real song, though. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this, again, this song is perfect. It's hilarious. It's ridiculous. And again, it's perfectly animated. I love when he wraps the belt around his neck. And he flexes his neck and it just pops off. <laughs> One of the things that cracked me up while we were watching the animated version was the way that they got away with doing so many things in that song because it was animated. Yes. And all of the lyrics that they had to change in the live action version, 
because you can't have Luke Evans just biting some dude on screen, so they have to like change Le- it so that there's Le a bite Fou. mark on LeFou. He pulls up his shirt and you see all the bite marks. Yeah, <laughs> which again, I have questions. I do too. <laughs> um, Beast invites Belle to dinner. Look, and I, I love the scene. You can you can tell that all the beasts. He, he's caring he, all the all the people that care for him there at this house or his castle are, are caring and loving people mm-hmm. you know they're they're trying their hardest to, to to be there for both bell and beast and honestly i feel for the beast he's he's he has no confidence in who he is and has no idea how to handle himself he has a lot you know, you know a lot of growing up to do that's mm-hmm. why his temper again is so awful um, this movie does a really good job of showing, you know, just because you ask nicely too in the scene doesn't mean you'll get a a yes or that you deserve one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She says no. Well, he also doesn't ask that nicely. No, he does. He corrects. He's like, would you like to go to dinner? Join me for dinner? Yeah. With a winning smile? <laughs> it's not a request. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a request. <laughs> Um, I do like that touch, though. I, 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 again, I feel for the Beast. Um, him looking in the mirror to see, you know, Belle's rightful reaction to him is, is, is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I like how Belle always stands up for herself, too. Yeah. She's not just a pushover. No. She has very specific goals, and she holds him accountable. And... Yeah. Um, be our guest. Of course. What do you think of this? This one? has to be on the list of best scenes. What do you I don't mean? know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely up there. Um, it's just, it's cheerful. It's well written. You get at the predicament of the, you know, the people in the castle, in the castle, the household servants and everybody in a way that's fun and accessible um, and easy to follow. Yeah. Like... It it's just it's so charming and it puts a smile on your face. It's also a good look at how lonely all the workers are too, mm-hmm. you know. Because he gets into the little diatribe of telling you how lonely their days are and everything like that. Yeah, they are all hopeless, but they're always looking on the bright side of the situation too. Mm-hmm. Which is why adds the positivity to the house, I think. Yeah, because they're 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 working themselves to death trying to stay positive, not only for themselves but for beast mm-hmm. you know um next scene something there of course uh-huh i love a good listen book. every minute of this movie is awesome i, I love a good montage mm-hmm. you know I, i've said that many times on this podcast and you put a good tune or a, excuse me a great tune like something there and it just takes it up a notch it's sweet beast is trying so hard despite him not always succeeding bell always appreciates the effort Mm -hmm. on display yeah and she just like the thing i really like about this song and and the way the montage works is it really does build slowly and show them actually developing feelings for each other which is a really hard thing to show subtly in an animated movie yeah you know it starts with like the little hints and them not being just so standoffish with each other anymore and then by the end of the song they're playful and they have like intimate moments and yeah well it all starts where like the night before where he saves her from the wolves Mm -hmm. like they have that one conversation where he's like this wouldn't have happened if you know you wouldn't have escaped from this castle it wouldn't have happened if you imprisoned me and Mm -hmm. then like 
he doesn't really have anything else to say. Yeah. You know, he, he sees that she's right and he's like, okay, well, I need to do something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it starts slowly and it's it, subtly and like you were saying, it kind of builds to it. And it's not aggressive, right? It's just kind of casual, each of them yeah. giving a little. And then, of course, Beauty and the Beast song. Of course. Tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. You know? as old as song yeah it's so romantic it's sweet and the dance sequence it's just so magical it's so wild to say you know to this day that this was done using a combination of computer animation and drawing animation it's stunning it's it's gorgeous mm-hmm. and i'd be lying if i didn't say i got a, a lump in my throat during oh, this so scene. Would everybody else everybody yeah. gets a lump during this it's scene. it's great mm-hmm. and it, this is the you know little girl's Dancing with their dads all over YouTube and oh god yeah yeah oh god yeah and can we talk about her dress because oh my god <laughs> best dress of any Disney princess right there in that scene oh yeah <laughs> no question no contest so that's your favorite one even more so than like Elsa's Ugh, I don't frozen like dress fashion. nope not here for it not here for it do you have any idea how cold a dress made of ice would be. I'd imagine, Literally my worst nightmare. I'd imagine it'd be freezing. Yeah, freezing ice, cold. Ice cold. Ice cold. Yeah. Ice, ice baby. <laughs> um, what do you think of Beast letting Belle go? What do you think of that? What do you think about the sequence? Well, I think it single-handedly undermines the Stockholm Syndrome argument. Um, and it's just, you know, we, we spent the first part of the movie seeing that Gaston in particular, but really almost everyone in Belle's life except her father consistently dismisses her wishes and, you know, thinks that she's odd or a funny girl or whatever. Um, And just, they don't really see her. And I think in that moment, the beast shows that he does. And he, he wants what she wants and he wants what's best for her, even if it means it hurts him. Yeah. Well, to me, it's he lets her go to save her father. It's it it's to show the change of heart he's had. You know, he was once you know absent of of hope, mm-hmm. and now that he's met Belle, he has it. Yeah, you know, and he demonstrates you know selfless love by setting her free again, kind of undermining the whole Stockholm syndrome argument that is thrown at this movie. Um, he just wants her to be happy, even if it's without him, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very touching. It's sweet. Again, one thing that the live action movie does is that song. Yeah. Which I think is freaking glorious, mm-hmm. dude. That is a great song. That, that song is, it's fabulous. It's a great song. But I think even in the animated version, you get a sense of his, his anguish and his. No, he lets out the roar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the roar. Speaking of Shrek. (laughs) Um, And last scene I have listed, unless, of course, you have one more to add, is Beast gets resurrected. Well, okay, yeah. So before that, the the mob scene, again, I think that just really adds an extra layer to the movie. What, kill the Beast? Kill the Beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, They all go marching and... I, I really like the way that all of the household goods go into battle. Yeah. Yeah. The piano, like, 
butts up against the door and they're all like ready to fight and <laughs> well they just spent some of them pretty quickly yeah um yeah the the beast resurrection scene is great to me mm-hmm. um it, it he him dying always it chokes me up a bit but of course his resurrection makes it that much better you know it's true love is what brings him back showing once again you can fall in love with someone by not you know what's on the inside but what or what's on the outside but what's on the inside is is that a simple message yeah it's pretty simple but it's it's surprising how many people still need to to hear it Mm -hmm. or learn it yeah you know it's about what's on on here on the inside because again ages fade in time but as again i've stated personality just gets better with age it depends on the personality but yeah yeah, your personality is going to just be perfect. You're already perfect, but you just get better with age. You darling. age like a fine line. Oh, I don't know about that. Some people age like milk. <laughs> that got you that uh, much quicker. Uh, that much quicker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I like the scene. It always gives me chills, too. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I love how the new sequel trilogy kind of just pretty much ripped off this. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. I mean, I love it, but... <laughs> hey, it's not a rip-off. It's a callback to a classic. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, it fits the trip, Star it Wars. It does. With Kylo and... Uh-huh. Or Ben and Ray. So out of all these scenes, which one is your favorite? Oh, the ballroom scene, right? Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is there even an alternative? Yeah. I love that. It's just... It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's flawless sequence. Speaking of which, worst scenes and moments. I have one. None. Because I'm not heartless. Oh, okay. I feel silenced, so I won't say anything. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Nah. <laughs> I can't, honestly, I like after I got done watching the movie, writing down my notes, I sat there and I was like, man, I would feel forced. Like a Terminator 2 situation where I had to put like worst, when, back when I used to do worst performance, which thank God I no longer do. Yeah, let's not do that. Like, it felt so forced. I think... And I, I, I can't think of one. And I'm not going to just put one down because I have to fit one into a category. Yeah. i got to be true to my opinion. In the animated version, again, only in the animated version, because Josh Gad is brilliant in the live action. Yes, he is. LeFou irritates the crap out of me in the, in the animated version. Like... I think that's his purpose. I know that's right? his purpose, but like he just he's not believable and it really bothers me. Yeah. Also the the carriage that like spider walks Maurice back to the village. Like did that used to be a horse? Is it a footman? Is Maurice inside the footman? I I have questions about the carriage, but Okay. Yeah, I have none. You have just ever seen LeFou was in? Just the existence of LeFou, yes. The existence of... That's not a scene or a moment. Okay. Um, where LeFou falls face first into the mud. And it's just needless degradation of an underdeveloped character. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Best performance. Who you got? Mrs. Potts. What's her name? Angela Lansbury? Yeah. Yeah. She does terrific. She she does a terrific job. For for me, it's it's Jerry uh, Orbach as the Mier. Yeah, that's a solid. Choice so as great, well. so great. He is. 
so great. He carries the movie. A lot, but I don't know like, how much of that is the animator's drawing of his facial expressions and how oh much of that no, is the voice acting. That's the voice acting. I really feel like it's both. It's the voice acting. He was so good. Mm. So good. All right. So moving on to the Does This Make Sense Award. Oh, I've got a list. I have two things. What's on here? Why is Belle's father, Maurice, not at all taken back by the fact that the castle and the objects within it are alive? It is just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, he's not, like, freaked out at all by a candle speaking to him. I'd be freaked out by that. I'd be freaked out by that, too. But I think in the animated version, much more so than the live-action version, we do have some questions about Maurice's mental stability. Yeah, more so than the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't that. Um, So... How come Chip is able to leave the castle, but no one else can? Or is that stated that you can't leave the castle? Wait, when does Chip leave the castle? He goes with Belle back to to save Maurice. What? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Huh. Chip goes back with Belle to to save Maurice. I believe you. I just completely missed that. And now, in the movie, is it stated that anyone that was at the castle cannot leave? I'm pretty sure it is. I don't remember that, but it makes sense. I mean, what's a talking teapot going to do out in the world? I don't know. You know? Freak people out, maybe? No. I don't think that that's... Yeah, but I just maybe this can be explained to me. Maybe I'm just making this rule up in my head. I, mean, I, think, uh, they, I think they could leave the castle. I think well, it's challenging for them, certainly, yeah. for housewares to just walk around in the woods. But I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the the number one thing for me is Maurice is just pretty accepting of the fact that inanimate objects are speaking. Mm. Okay. But everything else, I mean, it's a fairy tale. So you kind of have to suspend disbelief. I have a few questions. One is the the classic objection that everybody raises, which is there are like 26 other teacups in the cabinet with Chip, and they all have faces. Are they all Mrs. Potts' children? She calls them his brothers and sisters. I'm not sure. Yeah, I have questions about that. Uh, Where does the food in the castle come from? They have all of the preparations to make a full six-course meal. And they're not getting any supplies from the village? The beast goes out in the hunt. The beast goes out and hunts the ingredients for pudding? I don't know I don't about even that. know where tacos live, Tootness. <laughs> 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 Challenge. I mean, I would imagine him gathering, like, meat and stuff. He's a beast. I, I would imagine he wouldn't have any I would imagine any he would, like, time hunt deer, yeah. Doing that. But they have all of these fix-ins for a full six-course meal. I don't know, Tunis. this. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Yeah. Again, so it it is a fairy tale, so you have to suspend disbelief. And again, the spider carriage taking Maurice back to town. He's got to convince everybody that this is real, and he literally just got walked back into the village by a carriage that drives itself. That seems like a fairly easy way to prove to people that he's telling the truth, right? I feel like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's true. Yeah. Do you have any more? Because I only had the two. Mm-hmm. 
What is the thing that irritates you the most, though, out of all those things you mentioned? The inexplicably large number of teacups really irritates me. <laughs> the same thing is true with the feather dusters. What if they have like 16 maids and we only get to talk to one? Maybe. 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 But to me, though, I just I can't get over the fact that Maurice is just okay with talking inanimate oh my objects. God. Speaking of inanimate objects. Everything in the kitchen dances. Like, did Mrs. Potts get telekinetic powers when she got transformed into a teapot? How does she make the napkin dance? Okay, again. Fairy tale. Suspend disbelief. I just, if she has telekinetic powers, she should use them more often. Yeah. Okay. It would, it would seem useful. Yes. But, again, I think you're, you're going to have to suspend disbelief I, for it. I can. Yes. But... The question was, does this make sense? And the answer is no. It doesn't make sense to you. It does not make sense. Again, like I said, you got to speak your truth. Yep. This is my truth. <laughs> All right. So who is the MVP of the movie? For, uh, if, for me, at least, it, it's the, the the writers and composers. It's Howard yeah. Ashman and Alan uh, Menken. These are the in- individuals that wrote the music? Yeah. Yeah. And performed it. Yeah, they're pretty great. Mm-hmm. Pretty freaking great. Mm-hmm. This score is amazing. Agreed. Absolutely amazing. Why would you recommend this movie? I wouldn't. Just kidding. <laughs> I broke his heart there for a second. I'm sorry. No. You can't. You you guys can't see this, but I'm just, <laughs> He's just staring at I'm me. I'm just staring. Um, it's ridiculous. Even the dogs are just over that that statement. The dogs are asleep. This is a fib. <laughs> <laughs> or they or they've passed out from shock. I think it's the the, the passing out from shock mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I would recommend this movie because the music is beautiful, the animation is beautiful, um, it conveys a simple but important message, or several simple but important messages, in ways that are accessible and engaging and enjoyable, um, and you can really make what you want of it, right? If you want to have a simple, relaxing time and just enjoy it for the you know, for the cartoon that it is, then that's great. And if you want to read more deeply into it, then you can. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, not to sound cliche, but this movie's, you know, this is an, an a timeless and ageless movie. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's literally a perfect movie. I can't, you know, I, I, I know we do the Does This Make Sense, which is usually just a, it's a, it's a fun award. It's not supposed to be taken serious. But this movie, I can't, I think about it, and I just, I can't think of anything bad in it. It's mm-hmm. just, you can, much like Star Wars, it, you can sit a seven-year-old down, and you can sit a 70-year-old down, and it's going yeah. to elicit the same response. Mm-hmm. It is just such a cross-generational movie that appeals to the masses and will touch your heart, it can touch your soul. And we'll put a smile on your face. You might even shed a tear or two. You'll laugh. It's just the perfect way to spend a Sunday or Saturday afternoon watching. Absolutely. It is. And, of course, the soundtrack is just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and again, the message is like you were saying. It's, they're simple. But I feel like sometimes the simplest messages are the ones that go overlooked and go over people's heads the most often. Because they are so simple. And sometimes some simplicity is the best way to go. 
Yeah. You know. But that is it for this week's show. Carly, thank you for joining me the past two weeks. It's always a pleasure to have you on. It's always a pleasure to be here with you, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back, actually, this week with a special episode dropping um, later to discuss a few upcoming changes regarding the future of Ben Davis Movie Podcast. And I can't even begin to tell you how just flat out excited I am to discuss this with you guys. Seriously. This is it's going to be a fun change. Promise. It's going to be a fun change. But in the meantime, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the latest content. And while you're at it, go give me a follow over on Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast where I plan to start being a little bit more active because I've recently gotten a TikTok. I didn't know if you were going to announce it. I'm so yes. excited he's getting a TikTok. I'm not cool enough for TikTok, but I think that's awesome. Yeah, I'll start. Every new movie I watch, I'll probably put up a simple, quick reaction mm-hmm. to the movie. That'll soon follow with something else that will be announced. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Um, anyways, though, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. But until later this week, stay classy. <laughs>